All right, let's pray. That's always the thing that gets them. Saying, let's pray. God, thank you for what you're up to this morning already. Thanks for speaking to our hearts, encouraging us, animating us, enlivening us. Thanks for the wonderful people we get to do community with. And thank you that this is such a beautiful expression of who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. May we sense ourselves even more caught up in the beauty of who you are. Just like that song said, your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. I don't know if you guys know this, but the word glory, one of the things it means is essential nature and character. It's the true essence of somebody who they are and what makes them who they are. What we want to be caught up in, God, is your glory. The essence of who you are, what makes you tick. We want to know as we are known in the great embrace that is you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I need a few volunteers. I need three gentlemen. All right. Three gentlemen, make your way up here and take a seat in the three chairs. Um, We guys open Keynote up back there real quick? So, there we go. I was going to say, how's our math, our math skills? They're wonderful, apparently. All right, I'm going to open this up real quick. We've been... In a series that who knows how long it's going to go, we'll probably wrap it up before 2016, but we've been talking about the secret life of the Holy Spirit. And it's been fun over the last month or so, we've seen some of the really cool ways that the Holy Spirit moves and works and talking about what the Holy Spirit does and some of these extremes of the Holy Spirit, some people that um, run to spiritual experience and not even really worrying about who the Holy Spirit is and some people that run away from the Holy Spirit because they just see craziness. And what we've been trying to say is, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a kook, and not someone that belongs in the corner. The Holy Spirit is a person to be known and loved and embraced. And the Holy Spirit loves to make Jesus and the Father known in our hearts and in our community. It's been a fun ride for me. You start talking to me about the Holy Spirit over the last little while and I start getting choked up because the Holy Spirit is really endearing. Holy Spirit self to me lately. It's, it's a powerful thing. This morning I wanted to share about something that's often lost when it comes to the Spirit. And we'll see what you all think. We're going to go through a little journey through Scripture about the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you a story. So what really got me thinking about this was I was teaching at a a missionary training school, a bunch of students around 18 to to 25 years old, and we were talking about the Trinity. We were talking about the nature and character of God, and I was expressing to them how the very first thing the Bible says about God is that God is family, community. God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. And some of them knew that, but they never really figured out or never really knew that that mattered, that that makes a difference. And... So this one guy, 
he has this really powerful, he's like bouncing up and down in his seat because he's so excited about this idea. And so I pause him like, okay, what's going on over there? What are you thinking? What do you want to say? And he goes, I just had this awesome image in my mind that I, I just have to say it. He said, after talking about the Trinity, you know, we were talking about how God often looks like kind of just the gray-haired, bearded, Gandalf-type God, and that's, so we were talking about that versus Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's like, and I just, I see that God is Trinity. I just have this picture in my mind that I, I'm out in the woods, and I walk up to this cabin, and the door is open to this cabin, and I hear laughter and joy going on in there, and, and I open the door to this cabin, and I just feel welcomed into it, and there's these three dudes in there. There's these three dudes in there playing Legos. And they invite me in to join with them and to be a part of their party. And I was like, wow, man, what a cool picture. <laughs> kind of. So, I have a question for you all. Raise your hand if this is you. If you're walking through a forest and you came upon a cabin with three dudes partying, how many of you would feel totally comfortable to make your way in and sit down on the floor and join in the party? Raise your hand. I see a couple hands. Depends on what kind of party. A Lego party. Now here's where things get a little tricky. So we apparently have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's some scriptures that talk about this. Jesus talked about the Spirit. He said, he's telling his disciples as he's about to leave, but I will send you the advocate, the lawyer. Where's our, where's the, Mike Fry Jr.? But I will send you the advocate. Parakletos is the, the Greek word there. The Holy Spirit, Numa, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. We're going to have somebody from our community teaching on this verse in a few weeks. And it's going to be really fun. So what you need to know is that, let's see if this works. I don't really know how to use my, um, oh, there we go. What did I just do? I'm trying to new, well, I'm trying to hide this from you because I'm fumbling over it like an idiot. And I don't want you, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, so. I actually stood in front of that on accident, but it saved me, so. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, so these verses, Numa and these words, parakletos, this word pneuma is a, a neuter, in terms of gender, it's a neuter term. There's no gender laced in or, or embedded in it. And parakletos is a masculine term. Here's where I'm going to be going. When it comes to God, does it matter? And... Is it biblical that all three members of the Trinity are he's? 
For some of you, it might not really matter. So in the New Testament, we have these two words for spirit that the Holy Spirit is referred to as pneuma. This word pneuma can mean breath, can mean wind. It could be like a powerful force of wind. It can be a, a small kind of refreshing breeze. Sarah and I and, and some of our boys were walking up Panorama Drive the other day. If any of you live up there, wow. But we were walking up Panorama Drive, and it was kind of hot outside for Morro Bay. And we're walking uphill, and I'm pushing a stroller. And as soon as we got up to the top, this beautiful breeze just kind of came and just just overtook us a little bit, and it was so refreshing. That's a picture of what Numa gives, is this refreshing wind. It was cool, as uh, Brett and I were talking in between uh, worship and, and bringing everybody back together, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but it was something along the lines of, wow, like that worship set really built, and it was just like this, this wind started being let loose in the midst of everything. That's Numa we're talking about. But there's another word here. So this parakletos, so that's what the New Testament does, but the word spirit, I know I'm blocking the thing again. The word spirit actually starts in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1. And it's this fun Hebrew word that I don't know if I have the, the, a robust enough throat to say, but it's this word ruach. And I think you get really guttural when you say it correctly. I... I don't speak Hebrew, but, I mean, play with it a little bit. Ruach. See how much you can, ruach. Yeah, careful. It's found in Genesis 1-2. And you guys know the verse. It's, it's the verse that says, In the beginning the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This word spirit there is ruach. And this idea of hovering, hovering over the, it's like this picture of chaos and the Spirit of God hovering over this chaos. And God brings order out of this chaos. But this word hovering here, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what that means. Because it appears two other times in the Old Testament. I think it's this word rakfa, something like that. Again, my Hebrew, hambuhao, which is Chinese for very, very bad. Um, but my Hebrew is really poor. But this word for hovering, it appears again in Deuteronomy 32, verse 12. And you can barely see that. But it's this picture. It's, it says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft, the Lord alone guided him. Speaking of Jacob. And it's, Deuteronomy 32 is telling the story of how the Lord led the Israelites out of Egypt into, well, through the wilderness and into the promised land. But it gives this picture. It says that like an eagle hovers over its young. That word hover is the same word as Genesis chapter 1. So you have to picture kind of what, a, what an eagle would be like. And it's, it's actually particularly an image of a mother eagle, which adds some nuance to this passage. It's a picture of a mama eagle. So... From the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 1, the picture we're given of this mama eagle, or this picture of the spirit hovering, is related to a picture of a mama eagle. And in the New Testament, as you jump forward, we have this 
picture in Luke chapter 3, Jesus' baptism. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon Him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Now last week we talked about the temptation of Jesus and how right after Jesus has this powerful encounter, with the Holy Spirit and His Father. It says, and we don't often catch this, it says the Holy Spirit led Him, but we talked about how that word actually means thrust, through, drove. The Holy Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. And we talked about how that temptation was not because the Holy Spirit wants to put Jesus in a precarious situation, but rather because the Holy Spirit wants Jesus to know profoundly and experientially who He is, that these words are true. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Isn't that what Satan came to say? If you are truly the son of God. He says, do you really believe what the Father said over you at your baptism? The Holy Spirit wants him to say, yes, I truly believe that. So the Holy Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. So we had this picture of this gentle, delicate dove thrusting Jesus into the wilderness. Now this is where things get a little tricky. I, gender stuff is really hard to talk about nowadays. Have you noticed that? Everything is about gender equality. Bible translations have to be gender neutral. You notice that? In Fuller Seminary, where I'm wrapping up my studies, we have a document two and a half pages long that we have to read that is all about gender language and expression in our papers. And in even the professor's, um, I guess, presentations to us, there's this policy on on gender-neutral language at Fuller Seminary. Gender's an interesting thing. So I'm going to risk making some overgeneralizations with gender for a moment to make a point. How many of you, when you think of a dove, picture that dove riding on a Harley? How many of you picture a dove? Now, like I said, I already confessed that I'm I'm making really poor gender stereotypes. So forgive me for that. It's easier to ask forgiveness than permission, though. So I'm already halfway through it. How many of you picture a dove carrying a tool belt? Let's get more direct. Is a dove to you a picture of masculinity? Or is a dove to you, if you had to choose, more of a picture of femininity? And some of you might say neither. But if I forced you to choose, would some of you say femininity? Isn't that interesting? See, for the early Christians, that was the understanding. There's poetry and there's There's, I guess, extra-biblical writings that talk about dove, and when they talk about a dove, they talk about it in terms of she, in reference to she or her. Let me just tell you right away what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is a she. But I'm also saying that maybe the Holy Spirit's not a he. 
Can I tell you how my son Joshua said it? Now, well, and we also need to clarify the Holy Spirit is definitely not an it. My pastor Chris, it's a really interesting guy. How would I feel if I heard you talking about me like that? Some of you have maybe said that before. And I forgive you. My wife, it's such a good wife. It's so loving. It's so kind. It's so faithful and steady. All right, are we tracking that the Holy Spirit is not an it? Easy, right? But this is where it gets tricky, doesn't it? So is the Holy Spirit then by default a he? And is the Holy Spirit based on Scripture a he? And does it matter? Now I want to let you think about that for a minute. Some of you are ready to walk out. Only one. Our lawyer. No, I'm just kidding. Our advocate. <laughs> Sorry, Tom, I couldn't read this. Let me just point out one thing that's interesting. That word ruach in the Old Testament is a feminine noun. So if you were to add the pronouns in English through Genesis and even through the book of Judges in some of these places, it would say something more like this. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, she hovered over the waters. There's a lot more gender laced in Hebrew than there is in, in English. But even in, for, the, for example, in the book of Judges, it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon, or the Spirit of God coming upon the son of Caleb. And that word came upon has a gender to it. And it says that the Spirit of God came upon the son of Caleb. Came upon there, they chose to use the feminine gender for that verb. Some of you guys are like, why does this matter? Now, you could make the case, I drive a Mini Cooper, some of you know that, and I told you last week that I'm excited that someone else has a yellow Mini Cooper in town, because I hope they give me my scapegoat if I ever drive poorly. Be like, it was that guy. But I drive a Mini Cooper, and our, our Mini Cooper, I say things like this, she loves to go on Old Creek Road. My Mini, she's such a good girl. She loves Old Creek Road. I talk about her that way. Is my Mini Cooper a female? Come on, I'm not trying to talk to you like little kids, but obviously my Mini Cooper is not a female, so we do things with language that kind of don't necessarily correlate with the gender of the thing we're talking about, right? But then you have to ask yourself another question. In Genesis, when it says that male and female were made in the image of God, that's a little different conversation than my Mini Cooper, isn't it? So here's the question I want to ask. If this gentleman, what'd you make here? What'd you create? Oh, it's almost as good as the universe. Look at them. <laughs> Next time. Next time you can up your game a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't trying to shame you, sorry. Now here's, just, this is just a problem for me. It says, 
in the beginning, God created and says, then God said, let us make human in our image. And then it says male slash female. And then most of our translations say he created them. Have we bumped into a problem of logic right there? If God is three dudes, then ladies, let me ask you this. Where are you in this picture? Where does your image come from? Can you find yourself in here, sisters? Where? Where do you find yourself in this image? (laughs) Austin, are you saying in this part of my heart? So once again, I said that gender is tricky. Now, there are psychologists that will tell you that masculinity and femininity reside in both genders, right? There are masculine, stereotypical masculine aspects of women, and there are feminine aspects of men. And it's a healthy thing for men to get in touch with their feminine side, whatever that means, and women to get in touch with their masculine side, all this stuff. But but just dealing with this picture... Honestly, women, when you look at this, is there something that's just a little less inviting about this picture than if there was some form of female representation? Before I add my final disclaimer and kind of try to let myself off the hook for this mess I'm creating this morning, I don't think it's a mess. Can I hear just... Let's just play with the picture a little bit. Can I have a female? Just, just for the sake of fun, we're playing in the theological sandbox here based on some of the scriptures I've shown you. Can I have a female volunteer stand up for a moment and, and make your way up front? Allie, you can do it. You've been volunteered. You've been volunteered. Um, will one of you gentlemen please be a gentleman and defer your seat to the lady? Now, okay, now if we really try to do this as a theological statement, I've just made a mess, all right? Please hear me saying, I acknowledge that I'm not trying to make a theological statement about this. I'm trying to get us to see something of the heart of God that's missed because of the way we use language about God. That's what I'm trying to do. So, let me hear from anybody that's willing to share. With this kind of picture, what does it change for you if, if there's anything biblical about something more like this? Can I hear a few of you um, put your neck out there since I already have? Yeah, Aaron Seraphin, what do you see and why, does it, why would it matter? Now, traits, that's a great word. Phil, before you say that, let me just throw out a few of the things that we've talked about, the way the Holy Spirit is described in Scripture. Think about these words. And what gender do you immediately associate with these words? Nurturing, comforting, counselor, being grieved, being quenched. Quenched is another way of saying suppressed or pushed aside. When you think about words like that, if you were to think in gender terms, what gender images arise in your mind? Now, that also needs to be juxtaposed with pictures of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove throwing Jesus out into the wilderness, 
right? Or a mama eagle. So real quick, Phil, before you share, I want to see, I'm not trying to, that was going to be a really bad pun. I was going to say pigeonhole the Holy Spirit into gender. That's not what this is about. Sorry, that really was not, yeah. I just made that worse too by acknowledging it. But I'm not trying to, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is a she. But I think we need to have freedom to acknowledge that maybe the Holy Spirit's much more than he. Because I know that for me personally, I've been extremely limited in my relating to God when God is three dudes. Because I haven't had the best experience with dudes growing up. To be honest. Now think about somebody that experienced abuse from a male growing up. And somebody tells them, God is three dudes. Love and trust this God and open up every fiber of your being to this God. You could tell them that, but will they be able to respond to that? So I was gonna, the story I was going to tell was, so Josh, you guys know that Josh is a pretty handsome dude. Can I, can I say that about my son? Of course I can. My son Joshua, he's a pretty handsome dude. And when he was, was it second grade? Maybe it was third grade. We found out that, that there was a fifth grade girl that had a crush on him. I'm like, man. So here's my response. My response was, that a boy? <laughs> my wife's response, sorry, baby, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> she better watch out. I don't care if she's only in fifth grade. <laughs> she better watch her back. Now, what, what rose up in you when you heard that there's a fifth grade girl eyeballing Joshua? Back off of my boy. Is that a deeply feminine thing? How many of you would like to be out in the woods and come upon some bear cubs and a mama bear? Now you see, gender is a lot more nuanced than we make it these days. So we're not trying to have that conversation. We're trying to have this conversation. Women, is there room in the Trinity for you? Is there a place you actually come from in the very nature and essence of God that our language hasn't caught up with yet? But the Bible has been on top of all along? Now, am I saying that you need to go call the Holy Spirit she? I'm not saying that at all. This is how Joshua said it. The Holy Spirit is not he. The Holy Spirit is not it. The Holy Spirit is not she. The Holy Spirit is thee. Isn't that good? The Holy Spirit is the one and only Spirit of God that loves and nurtures and is ferocious and powerful and dynamic. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Now, before I get too much on a roll, Phil, I want to invite your comment in. And then I want to... Any of you feel tension looking at this picture? To be honest? Like, wait a minute, what's he trying to say? Thank you for the comments. I, I do have a point I'm trying to make in this. And the point, like I said, is not that the Holy Spirit is she, or that the Holy Spirit is it, or the Holy Spirit is he. But I think we need to our language needs to help us expand our understanding of the Holy Spirit to see that all masculinity and all femininity is contained and transcended by the Holy Spirit. Because as soon as we're stuck with language that says the Holy Spirit, He, that does something 
with our understanding of what the Holy Spirit must be like, does it not? Now, we can make an error on the same opposite side and say, well, the Holy Spirit is just sheep. But this is what I love about the Holy Spirit. So think about this for a minute. What is God the Father's name? What did, how did Jesus address the Father? Father. Now even Father is not a gender-laced term. Look at this verse real quick, if you're wondering. Numbers 23:19. God is not a man. And that Hebrew word that says man, it actually means male. Like, Male gender. God is not a male. When it says God is Father, it means God is source, God is provider, God is all these things, but it's not saying God is a male. The word Father needs to be refilled, not by our experience of Father, but by what God is like as a Father. And it has nothing to do with gender. Now, it's a big conversation to have another day, but... Father's name is Father. Jesus prayed, Father, thank you that you've revealed these things, you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and you've revealed them to infants. He said, Father. He prayed, Father this, Father that. So, his name is Father. What about Jesus? What's Jesus' name? Jesus. This is where things get a little tricky. What's the Holy Spirit's name? What is the Holy Spirit's name? The Holy Spirit's name is Advocate, Counselor, Spirit of Truth, Spirit of Adoption, Spirit of Life, Breath of God, Anointing of God. I could go on and on and on. The Holy Spirit does not have a name in the same way that the Holy Spirit does not have a gender. And I believe that it's one of those things, the Holy Spirit is so elusive. This is this guy Clark Pinnock, he worded it this way. The Holy Spirit is so elusive that the Spirit refuses to be pinned down by our categories and labels of gender, of name, of category. Because the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't work that way. I'm a lot more loose, I'm a lot more open, and I'm a lot more transcendent than your categories would give me. Have you ever thought about that? That the Holy Spirit doesn't have one name. The Holy Spirit is holy. The Spirit is a spirit. But we have like 30 other names for the Holy Spirit, maybe more. It's a spirit that cannot be pinned down. So this was my thought coming into this morning. I've bitten off more than I can chew. Again. I realize I have a horrible habit of doing that. Because I realize this is not a comfortable topic. But I also realize that I've talked about this in certain classes where girls are sitting there crying realizing, wait a minute, you're saying that God isn't just limited to being three dudes and there's actually a place in the image of God for me? That I'm not a sideshow? Now, do we have to draw those conclusions based on using language? He, no, we don't. But do some people draw those conclusions? Yes. And is it important for people to know, for girls to know, that you are not forgotten in the picture of God and the very nature of God? I hope it's important for you to know. Otherwise, where on earth are you going to find yourself? If you can't find yourself here, where will you find yourself? Nowhere that's really going to be lasting. 
So I, I agree with you, Brenda, that it's weird because you have to like tiptoe around so many things. But I also think it's important that we at least talk about this. Because I grew up with a God that's three dudes. And I always held something back for myself from that God. Because there's some times that I just want a mom. Could I be that vulnerable? There are some times when I get stressed out or I get panicky or I just have something going on. And you know what, Dad, you just don't have it when it comes to giving me what I'm looking for in this time. Moms, I'm sorry, but you have some things to offer? Your husbands don't. No, I'm not sorry. That's totally sarcastic. So, but while, since we opened the can, I mean, it's, it's, we have about five minutes till 12, and I, I, I thought this might get fun. Um, <laughs> Carrie, well, you can release the kids if you want. But, so who else is finding themselves kind of recoiling against this? Like, like just, let's hear from a few more people and, and let's kind of clear the air at least as much as we can. Tammy, I thought you might have something to say. Tammy, we are so limited by language that the main thing I'm trying to attempt here is to break open some of the boxes because really... Language does dictate how we understand and how we relate to God. We are forced to that. I'm going to have you three make your way back so we can get, I, I'm wondering if people are stumbling over the picture here. <laughs> um, and, yeah, go, there's a few other people that have comments. So, hey, if, if any of you need to go um, because you're <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> or because of time constraints, please feel free to go. But I, I do want to at least, and here's what we're going to do. Sometime over the next, um, maybe next Sunday or maybe sometime during the week, we're going to have kind of a dialogue time to, to process through some of these things we've been saying about the Holy Spirit and even talk about some of the interesting manifestations or expressions of the Spirit, being slain in the Spirit and tongues, what's that all about? So we'll, we'll have more time for conversation, but just anything pressing that you feel kind of needs to come in in this moment to this conversation. And let's, let's try to keep it, concise so that we can hear from multiple people. Betsy, you've been like wanting to dance back there. Does God include female femininity? Does God include masculinity? Yes. Both. And more, right? I just never had language for that growing up. And when I realized that the Bible does, it was liberating for me. That's all I'm trying to invite us into. There were a couple other points or comments that people wanted to make. And then, yeah. God gets needing to get gotten. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Are we having a conversation yet? We do have to pack up uh, church in a box today, just so you know. So we're going to have to limit it to really, really concise sharing if you have something to share. And if you have questions, you're like, Chris, you really frustrated me this morning. Please come talk to me about it instead of just running off. And, but, yeah, so... Can you say it in a sentence? If you can say it in a sentence, say it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sacred cow tipping. Yeah. I would say I'm in good company because Jesus seemed to be okay to do that. <laughs> I would say the Holy Spirit 
is bigger than any mistake I make in leadership or any, any conversation I bring up prematurely or even anything I overemphasize or underemphasize for the sake of clarity. The Holy Spirit is bigger than that and will lead us into all truth. And if we could just get that and really get it. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Um, okay. Man. What? Absolutely. We're going to end on that note because I think that's a great summary. We're going to tie back to what Brenda said. God is, who should I tell them sent me? I am sent you. Women, there's a place for you in that. Guys, there's a place for us in that. If this language throws you off, then guess what? Scrap it. Relate to the Holy Spirit according to what the Holy Spirit's revealing to you. So, I'm going to pray for us that we'll continue to be open. This is my prayer, actually. Let's go back to this. Holy Spirit, you are our advocate. And we know that the Father sent you. And you are the teacher and the reminder. So would you teach us what you want us to know about yourself? And may we see you in all the places that you hide and move and and express yourself. And may we not force you into places that you aren't. So I pray that this will be a freeing conversation for all of us, ultimately. And that will enhance our relationships in our community and not detract. And for whatever's going on with that kid. And some of us are feeling the same way inside. We give ourselves to you with trust in your goodness, your bigness. And then when it comes to you, you can't be contained in language and labels and categories. May we know more of you in that way. Amen? Amen. So we do need help packing up. Here's the thing, though. Please do not touch the chairs because the custodian has asked that we leave the chairs as they are. She has a process. But we can use help packing up sound equipment. We can use help packing up signs. And we need help eating up snacks. So we could really use your help.